Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross. He's Jack McKenzie, and we greatly appreciate all of you, whether you're live or you go on and check this out afterwards via YouTube or Spotify or whatever, whatever gets you excited for your listening possibilities as Jack is running back and forth. Sorry, I had to, I had to turn something up on the soundboard because we're going to play that video clip. That makes sense. I think we yeah. should we should probably have the probably audio. Make sure we should probably make it hear it's good. What we're reacting to. <laughs> you know what? Like I, I'm and the the thought that you brought that up. It made me think. I was I was looking out this front door a while ago, and we're lucky that they're not out here like they did yesterday with Grayson when he was trying to record. Just oh yeah, tearing were, concrete up outside the damn front door into the concrete. I I am a little nervous because we think they're installing the fiber line that we're supposed That's to be getting the silver lining. Hopefully. But what happens if they hit our current internet line while they're in Bro, we are screwed. You just anyway, put that into the universe, and I did not want that. I don't even want to think about that, Jack. Anyway, we've got a lot of stuff going on here at the studio, a lot of improvements trying to be made. And uh, there are some other improvements that other people are trying to make these days, right? Yeah, I mean... But would everyone consider them improvements? I don't know. So right now you have the SEC meetings taking place out in Destin. And um, the continual theme, it seems to be, are we going to do eight games or are we going to do nine games in conference? Um, This is pretty ridiculous, Honestly, because I'm glad we're on the same page because I, you're such an SEC homer that I was nervous. I am. No, because look, we t- I believe me and you, I don't even remember if it was on air or like just off to the side talking uh, a few months back. And I was kind of leaning more towards eight. Um, and the more I've thought about it, like that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, really, it really is. is. You're the only conference right now who doesn't play at least nine games. Um, you're supposed to be the best. You are the best. Um so why would you even want to steer away from that? And the fact that you have this debate, and I, I, and I asked you this before we went on air, because do you? I feel like this wouldn't be such a big talking point right now if Nick Saban wouldn't have come out and had his complaints and threw his little fit about the potential three rivals he would see every year. And I just feel like when oh, when the puppet man. master gets upset then, you know, there's there's more diving into it than if, say, Mark Stoops would have said it, right? Like, there's no way Mark Stoops coming out saying, saying this would have given the the prowess that it come from Saban. And I feel like that's yeah. really what started this whole mess. Hell, if, if Hugh Freeze came out and said it, the exact same thing, you'd be sitting there being like, shut up and win. Exactly. Just, just shut up and win. Like, prove to me that I should listen to you. So, I guess in one... Me saying that says, like, yeah, maybe we should listen to Saban. But, like, I was telling you before the show, cause, because, like, we like to we like to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff. This is this is the stuff we live exactly. for. So, like, we're, we're not, we're sitting there. We're not even, like, trying to prep for the show. We're just like, <laughs> dude, can you believe this? Yeah. And 
it just comes down to we'll get into the arguments about like well it's sec games instead of playing like mcneese state or umass so like it should be worth more and and you're no it's no longer a buy game so they're already making but it's already so you're already like not spending money on the right. game so the the money of it all and the this and that it all comes down to this one thing for me you are the best conference you like to tell everyone you're the best conference you are the best coach possibly ever. Deepest Nick pockets. Everyone knows it. You have the deepest pockets. It's not up or shut up time. Yeah, I agree. Like play the games or stop whining. Or better yet, do both. Play the games and stop whining. Can you do that? Is that possible? No. 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 They're going to whine the whole way, but they better play the games because it is ridiculous on so many levels that they don't and mm-hmm. that they won't, especially once the conference expands to 16 teams because they're already having issues where teams they added over a decade ago haven't gone to every campus for football. Yeah, So, and I'm glad you brought that up. So if you go to 247 Sports, uh, you could find uh, an article on there, and it lists the number of non or the number of crossover opponents uh, that are not permanent that Texas A&M and Missouri have played since in 11 years, okay? A&M has played Georgia once. They played mm-hmm. Kentucky once. They played Tennessee twice. Yet, you have played Florida four times and Missouri four times. Like, you can't split that up a little bit. Uh, LSU has played Missouri twice. Bama's played them three times. Uh, Auburn's twice. A&M four times. Like, you can got to be able to spread this out more. And when you add two more teams in, if you're not if, – if it's – if you're only playing once in 11 years – then how often are you ever going to see Texas go to Georgia? Like, yeah. I mean, it's you've got you look. You knew what you were getting into, right? Like, I feel like the logistics of this are something that maybe got pushed to the side for some people, or but like you've got to understand when you're adding more teams and they're supposed to be the value, right? Like they're supposed to be these marquee matchups. That's what people want to see. So Those why are you arguing it? Like yeah, you have to it, have that. You're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to have the easy schedule and get the money from these marquee matchups while trying to keep them from existing. Right. You're trying to keep your easy schedule, but get the money for having week after week of the best team playing the best team. Right. You can't have both. You I just it, can't. I, another thing for me is like the, the whole money aspect. And I, I, I'm, I'm really, maybe I'm ignorant on this and don't really comprehend the details. But when I look at this, you have people complaining about, uh, well, we, we would like to play another conference game, but we need ESPN to guarantee us more money. You're already going to save money from not playing an FCS opponent that you're going to have to pay out. So that's already like at least a million in your pocket that you ha- weren't going to have. So are you wanting more on top of that? Like that's just not good enough for you? Like, that's what I don't yeah, grasp. It's not. Like that, that part actually makes sense to me. Because say you pay, and I'm sure buy games are less than this, but say you pay the Citadel or McNeese State or whoever mm-hmm. half a million to come to your place for right. one of those buy games. So not only are you pocketing that half a million because you don't have to spend it on a conference opponent, but like I I find it hard to believe that it's only worth like say a half a million to you to play. Uh, like it's for for Kentucky to play, I don't know Arkansas, right? Like 
even just that middle of the road matchup, I think to ESPN, that is worth at least a million, right? Like it, it should like, be. I, I I don't have a good idea of the numbers. It just there's a big swing in marketable value there. And so I can understand if the media deal was if if a move to a nine game schedule was not a part of the negotiations and it's not in the contract, mm-hmm. then I can understand fighting to say, hey, you owe us more because we gave you more in, more valuable inventory. I get that. Yeah, no, I do. I understand that point too. But like, I don't. I guess the what I need to know is like the gap of extra money you would get from playing. Like, is it that much more significant that you're complaining? I don't about? know, but I also think that ESPN would pay it in a heartbeat. I don't think that this is something that should hold up. Like, no. unless you're being so incredibly greedy with what your like the schools, the SEC are being incredibly greedy in their valuation of what that extra what eight games because mm. it's going to be sixteen teams, right, yeah. but divided by two, uh, all playing an extra game. What eight more games means? Like, if your valuation of that is crazy high mm-hmm. over what ESPN is, that's the only thing that should hold this up. And even then, like, it just it shouldn't be a holdup. ESPN will probably just say, "Here's an extra, however much." They'll take it. They should be happy. Mm-hmm. The holdup, honestly, I think is the politics of it. Absolutely. And Greg Sankey, Greg Sankey says they've literally done the math. They've looked at the probabilities of making a bowl game, and there is only a marginal. Tiny, like a, a tiny change to how many SEC teams go bowling each year if they play an extra conference game. Not an extra game. If they finally play the ninth game. And, and that's another thing. I, when you were saying that, because I remember you freeze made the comment about, well, what happens if you're six and six? Well, I, you know, you're just six and six. But like if you say, say you, you play the extra schedule, uh, your extra conference game, say you you're Mississippi State and you replace freaking Troy on your schedule with Oklahoma. Even if you lose that game, wouldn't that be like wouldn't you get value for playing the the competition level? Like wouldn't that maybe maybe if the bowl's on the line that wouldn't matter because you obviously got to get. But I'm just thinking like in a situation, like wouldn't you wouldn't that not necessarily negatively impact you in the long run if say you're maybe not on the cusp of getting a bowl, but if you're a team who has the potential to make the playoff of the extended playoff, I don't think that's necessarily going to hinder you maybe. I I think the the real crux of this comes where if you're looking at it from a playoff point of view or from like a conference strength point of view, you're losing you're losing that cupcake. Oh well, they were ranked in the middle of the season, right, kind right, of yeah. like Mississippi State got ranked, but they ended seven and five. But they were ranked there for a little while in the mm-hmm. middle of the season. That's going to happen less often. Your some of your worst conference wins are not going to look as good because teams will not be able to have that fraudulent ranking right. as much. But the best teams in your conference shouldn't suffer from the murkiness that creates. The best teams in your conference should be so clearly good. And I'm talking about the tier that's below the like national, clear right, national right. championship. Your old misses. Your old misses. Your um I don't know, Arkansas when they were when they were popping off that no. one year. Florida. If LSU's having a down year. Florida's not going to be back up. <laughs> Florida, Florida, Florida needs sorry. some holy water uh, <laughs> or something, but bro. Y- I, I hope that makes sense. Is like 
the SEC won't necessarily be able to prop up the bottom end of their conference. No, as not much. at all. But the middle to top is going to look that much better. I think everyone outside the SEC and outside of the playoff committee, frankly, has been on to how much of a fraud those like 15 to 25 ranked SEC yeah. teams have been. And you know it. You're an SEC guy. It could get you know clogged up. It. I'm just saying. I, you know yeah. it, Gary. It happens. I, so so you, you see what I'm saying is like all of a sudden – those teams are going to be the ones that suffer. That's that's, what, that's who you're going to be hearing speaking out the most about this outside of Nick Saban, who do, who's earned the responsibility of having to beat three other great programs each year. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point, and I think you can look no further than uh, Kentucky's president, and I'm not even going to attempt to say his name. Eli, the last name, I will absolutely butcher. What's I the, apologize the for that. Uh, C. Capilatuo or something like that. Eli C. Eli C. Well, all right, so... Anytime somebody starts off a, a quote with like, it's not all about the money. Oh boy, it's bro, about the money. it's, it's, it's about definitely the money. about. It's like, no offense, but your breast smells like ass. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, you, oh, oh, but you see what Are I'm saying, saying though? It's like you, you you know what you're saying with that. So he comes out. Well, it's not all about the money. Well, it's damn sure about the money. It's about the money. Uh, and then he comes. He says. As we focus more on the student-athlete well-being, one has to understand the implications in the light of the new CFP format. So you're telling me you're, it's that much more significant of player safety playing Ole Miss than playing Tulane? Like, what? Like, that is the most – that's the weakest – BS, like I've heard. That is asinine because you were saying this before the show, so I know you agree with me. I'm sorry. You were so on board with playing oh. a whole ass extra game yeah. to get more of your teams in the playoff. Yeah. But now that you have to not play an extra game, but just play a tougher opponent in Division One football, all of a sudden you're that much worried yeah. about the injury risks? It's a cop-out. But I think here's where... No, like, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you the data won't back that up. I guarantee you injury data will not back up no. that you get more injured playing an SEC team than playing a team that's worse. In fact, I'm willing to bet it might go the other way and say that when a team is like physically outmatched... Oh, that's where you're going to get the dirty shit. stuff. Absolutely. Look at... And this might make some new Big 12 fans uh, base a little upset with me. Look no further than UCF and LSU with the cheap shot that sprung the greatest quarterback in LSU <laughs> history, Joe freaking Burrow. Like, dude, like that. What you that's you bring up? That's a really good point, dude. Because you're going to see more dirty stuff. It, it, just play the game. Like, it's I'm not, not complicated. I'm not saying I fully believe that there's more dirty stuff and there are more injuries when you play a worse opponent. But it's such BS to try and claim it's player a, it's a safety. Weak after excuse. You're, after you're literally adding games to the schedule out of your greed. Like the all of this, every single aspect is just such BS. I, I honestly like I kind of I wouldn't say necessarily agree. I get to a certain point where People from like Kentucky and Vanderbilt are coming from in this, but at the same time, you like you're going to have less as, opportunities to make bowl games. As much as I want to see no, Vanderbilt, yeah. Like, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying you're going to have you're going to have less opportunities to make bowl games. But I I think the in a bigger a bigger broader vision of this is, I think this is probably 
the first steps of programs who thought they had a safety net forever starting to realize that maybe that money isn't going to save you because if you can't if, if you're Kentucky or you're Mississippi State and you're in and you're out you can't compete and you can't make a bowl game in the the SEC where then are you real because you're going to be behind NIL um are you going to start getting to a point where is it worth the money like if I'm a recruit and I'm considering like say um a recruit from Missouri, okay, and I'm looking at schools to go to, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Mizzou, I'm a home state. If I wanted to keep close, I could go to Arkansas, but neither one of them are ever really going to have a chance to even make a bowl game, or I could go to West Virginia, or I could go to Cincinnati, and I can have an opportunity where I know I'll have an easier path to go and make a bowl games or something like that. I... I don't necessarily think it's the bowl game you got to be looking at. I think it's the playoff. And at the end of the day, I just think as much as I'd love to see Vanderbilt succeed, as much as I know making a bowl game can help spring you, springboard you towards further success, mm-hmm. I think the higher-ups at the SEC know that with the expanded playoff coming, there will be further scrutiny on the resumes of those like number 15, number 16, up to number 11, you know, the, the, because it's that much tougher to separate like 11 through 15 than it is to separate one through five. And because they all have blemishes, there's so Mm. many more blemishes. You can't pick out and be like, well, this one means that much more than that one because there are so many. And when you're looking at that, what's one key thing that's going to come up? They played a tougher schedule. What kept Baylor out of the playoff? What not playing TCU, a, what not playing a tough schedule. Playoff? Falling to Baylor, who didn't play a tough schedule. Exactly. You look at that. When you have to look at it from a resume standpoint, the SEC will not be able to take full advantage of the expanded playoff if every year Big Ten teams with tougher resumes, maybe not like the same record, but a better resume because right. they played that extra conference game, because they challenged themselves more out of conference. That's going to get those teams in. The SEC has to do this and all these smaller programs have to realize look we've got to be able to get to the point where we're contending for the playoff Mm -hmm. before we really see the benefit but that that benefit means that much more no if they're on equal revenue distribution unlike the acc now then that benefit's actually going to trickle down to them of having more teams in the playoff even if it's not them it is but i think also it's going to make you as a program not as um intriguing not as viable like i, I think yes. you're, you're going to get lost yes but see th- th- here's it, what it i'm afraid them. of it definitely hurts them but here's what i'm afraid of in general and i think th- and this is what i was kind of getting at too well ago because i feel like th- the shift in college athletics right now is going to come to a point where you're not necessarily i think what we know as conferences and conference of alignments and how things are shaped are going to be blown up by dynamite like in, in the next few years i think you're going to see different tiers of sports and i think you're going to have different branches of like you're going to have well basketball does this one thing or you might have a basketball conference that looks different you know you already kind of see it like with wrestling and these other sports but yeah. i think it's going to get to a point where 
in football, you're going to have this this upper t- echelon of like 30-something teams, and then below that, you're not. Like, are you going to – I feel like if you're Kentucky or somebody like that, are you going to a situation where while you've always been a part of the SEC, you find yourself in a, in a, in a situation where you can no longer financially compete, and then you have to exit and, and like, it's take a step, like a, that, a different direction. I think that's so far down the road – it doesn't really affect the eight nine game conversation here, honestly. It could. I just like, feel like, like what I, I feel. I, I feel like we're miles and miles away from that. So i I don't necessarily understand entertaining it in this conversation. That's fair. <laughs> Sorry to. No, that's fair. I was just um, like in a broader in a picture. Broad sense, I feel like that's where I, it's I coming from. I see where from. you come from. Like that's. I feel like this I, is the the baby steps to that. I see where you come from. I just think at the end of the day, um, I don't think this is dis- this creates enough disparity that you have to worry about that right now. If you're yeah. if you're Vanderbilt, if you're Kentucky, if you're I don't know why we keep throwing Kentucky and they're they're in a pretty solid place. I feel like not they, great, they not are terrible. Um, it's just at the end of the day, I think for this, it's very interesting to me to see the commissioner of the league pretty clearly. State he wants we need, not just once, but I think I think he knows they need to go to it, and to see all the coaches like coaches push back. Mm. I don't think the ads are going to push back as much. I think the ads will be able to have that bigger picture idea that Sankey has. You would hope, like I, I think some of them are. Do like obviously Kirby Smart? Like he had the comment about like this is the most ridiculous subject. Like when it comes to y'all writing about this, then you're you're reaching and everything, but. Uh, as far as like coaches and different perspectives, I did want to put this out there because I thought this was absolutely hilarious. So Eli Drinkowitz, the head coach of Missouri, was asked about his thoughts on it. He said, I'm a, te- I'm a history teacher by trade, and every time I come to these meetings, I'm blown away that the 13 colonies actually found a way to form a union. If we this. can't agree on eight or nine game schedule, how do we come together to defeat the British? Like, you know, you, he, does he not realize what the problem is here? I, I, explain it. Lay it out. Lay it, it, t- enlighten Eli why, what the problem was. Eli, why why did the 13 colonies band together? They had a collective hatred of some outside party, mm-hmm. of some, I don't know, big bad, some, some great power that everyone was kind of tired of having to live under. Correct. Eli, you are a part of that great power everyone's tired of living <laughs> under. You guys cannot unite on this because you are Britain. You are not the 13 colonies. You are Britain. Ah, that's refreshing. Like, dude, come on. And just play the nine games. Honestly, I, I'm i tired. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this conversation. You're tired of it? I'm well, tired then let's, of this conversation. Let's, uh, let's head out west and let's talk about the potential of Colorado and the Big 12 and more smoke that seems to be coming that way. And I will let you hear from Dennis Dodd and some of his thoughts about that. That's coming up next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you. And we're going to talk about a subject that um, nobody can really escape from as the Pac-12 is still trying to decide its fate. um, What the ultimate outcome is going to be with their TV deal. Uh, there's so many mixed opinions and just really propaganda and just complete BS out there from a lot of parties involved. Um, but somebody who is catching flack about that and 
it's really laughable is Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports. And we've seen this, like I, we've talked about this, how this tribal this has become between the Pac-12 and uh, the, the Big 12. And when it comes to this dude, like I've tried to stay out of it and just kind of sit back and I, I've really have kind of stayed pat that I thought this is going to figure itself out and the Pac-12 will stay together. Um, and we would kind of see more in 2031 like or 2035. That's kind of where I've been. But as this goes along and you're starting to hear more um, people like Barry Trammell, like yeah. who has no stake in the game whatsoever. And he He's one of those grizzled old like journalists. He's an OG. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's a real one. <laughs> yeah. when, he, when he feels like I have something to publish here, I have something to run that I like – He's not someone who doesn't source his stuff well. He's not someone that runs with rumors. He's not someone that runs just to get clicks. He mm -hmm. like he's a grizzled old journalist who does it the right way. He is. I say it, old in a loving way, Barry. <laughs> no, he, he really is. But you know, and I, I want you to hear what Dennis Dodd has to say here about what he's hearing with Colorado and where things stand right now with the bus potential move to the uh, Big Twelve. But every day that goes by makes has to make the Pac-12 team more nervous because every industry source I talk to says they don't have a linear partner. Uh, they don't have 50% linear. And they can't figure, even though they're telling people in the room, we've got a major carrier, no one in the industry can figure out what it is. So is that enough to make any of those schools nervous and, that, you know, throw in the discussion of even if they get a deal, is it within 10% or whatever it takes of the big 12 number? That's another thing. And then the final part is visibility. Where will it be seen? You know, if it's too much on streaming, that could be a deal. So those, those factors remain. That's kind of um, intriguing. Intriguing is one word for it. Uh, because like we, we hear all the time, right? Like, ESPN has come out. There's been multiple reports on ESPN. Like their tier one rights are not going to the Pac-12. Uh, Fox is booked up. I still like the notion, and I know people like my poo-poo on this. I really thought like if you were able to get the CW or even TBS or something, I think that's while it's not and never will be ABC and ESPN. Um, I thought that would be great avenues for them but if if those type of um options appear to not even exist what do you do i'd like to be able to say like well maybe you do this maybe you do that i i don't know what options are left i honestly don't like remember when this the whole cw thing first came out you're like oh wow okay that's where they're at and it feels like they've gone past the CW thing. And like, what is next? Like, they need to have some kind of linear inventory. And they're just not going to get the money for it. Like, they're, it, it's a weird kind of free market experience here where your, va like your valuation is just not what people are willing right. to pay. But you're also not willing to drop your valuation. So... Is anyone going to buy it? But you can't not have people buy it. So, like, I, I I don't know what breaks first. Either someone, some random freaking thing, some entity, 
probably not a player that we really mm-hmm. know or would predict pays up and he's up for what the Pac-12 wants, or they're actually just going to have to accept lower money. And I, I, I feel like we've had the same conversation so many times. We have. And, I mean, we're not insiders. We're not guys who are sitting here thinking, uh, like, Man, I, I need to hear from this source or that source. Mm-hmm. We like we're not we're not the sourced guys. We're like we're reacting, and it's just this, it feels like it's the same reaction over and over. But it just keeps getting we're more and more on the edge of our seats because we keep hearing guys who we do know have sources, the Barry Trammels, the Dennis Dodds, being like, "Colorado's going soon." Yeah, well, that, that, like, it's gotten that much more specific. It, it, it's narrowed down from. You know, the four corners to Arizona and Colorado. It Remember seems when like it was like Arizona first? And then now it's like they have been leapfrogged significantly. It's Colorado now. Everyone seems to think it's Colorado now. And it sounds like it could happen. It, it, like it could be happening right now for all but, we know. But here's the thing to me. It's like this has all been self-inflicted. And I feel like I said this the, the other day because you technically do not have to have a TV deal this year. I mean, you could realistically go into it, not have something, uh, and then just let it play out. But you've you've made this, and you've had so many people talking out of turn and and stepping over, you know, really out of place and, and things that they shouldn't be doing without unity. Um, and it's it started this freaking wildfire that's gotten out of control, and you've gotten it to where while you technically don't have to get a deal done. You've created so much impatience and uncertainty within your your community that people do not trust you, and they're trying to find uh, a way out. My question is, if you're Colorado or you're Arizona and you come to the Big 12, okay, realistically, where are you at as a football program? You're, you're not very good, okay? So you think that just because you're coming to the Big 12 and they have linear um, uh, things in place that you're still going to be put on that? Like, you really think you're going to come in and jump TCU to get – hell no. Not jump TCU, but when when TCU comes to town, you're going to be playing that Pacific late-night game in your time zone at home. Like, you are going to get better fan engagement because night games. Because at least I believe – Night games equal equal more ticket sales in my book. I think they're they're easier to get to. They're more fun to be at. Um, you're it's easier to rebound as a program when you have more money to spend, and you're going to have more money if you come to the Big Twelve. And just overall, I think even if all else fails, new is exciting. And so for those first two years, you're going to have a bump in engagement from your fan base and from your donors, from people who think there is new opportunity here. I want to see us succeed. I think that you get a kickstart. You get a jolt of electricity and money running through your program just by changing. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed to take advantage of it, but I do think there are benefits to switching, like literally just in switching. Not even in switching to massively more money or switching for the sake of this. It's just new is exciting. New engages people. No, it does. I think you're seeing that right now with Dion coming in, right? Like that's even, I mean, I know he's polarizing himself, but 
it's something new and it's provided, you know, a, a sense of energy that really hasn't been there since like Cordell Stewart <laughs> way yeah. back in the day, dude. But like, I just, my thing too is like, okay, if you're Colorado and you're banking on, I, you got to be careful because Dion's not going to be there very long. So you need to put in a realistic perspective of what you are. I, my thing is like, I understand you'll probably get a couple of those night games, but is, is your, I feel like more often than not, they would be placed on ESPN Plus. So I, I just feel like they, they would kind of get lost in the streaming zone regardless if they came to the Big 12 or if they stayed pat. I honestly think, though, that Colorado is in a truly unique position that to take full advantage, they need to come now. They need to come as soon as possible. They need to be in year three of Dion in their first year in the Big 12. I don't think Dion leaves before year three. I think you get at least one year of Dion in the Big 12. I think Dion gets into Texas, which he wants for recruiting. I think that's that, the biggest thing. I think that Dion will keep them on linear. I think that Colorado itself, having been in the Big 12 before, creates a wave of interesting for the first two years this is the first time colorado's been back since then this is the first time they've been back to colorado since then there's that extra motivation to put them that much more on a pedestal i think colorado has unique position to take advantage of that switch yeah but that's true but that's for like one season like you can only ride that out two seasons you can all i think see i think well Maybe if you're, I guess, yeah, because your schedule and then who would come there, I guess technically, yeah, you would get two seasons out of it. But and does it, is does, that enough? Does a coach need more than two seasons to, to turn things around? Does a coach get more than two seasons to turn things know. around like, these that's days? The, that's a really good question. I doubt it. So like, I think the timelines honestly line up. I, I think what you're looking at is show improvement. Like, get into the league, show improvement, and it's like switching leagues is the risk you take. But at the same time, like... That like any coach could be fired in any league, even if it's not a new league mm. for how good or bad they do. You're still going to make more money. And like you're, if you're Colorado or Arizona, you're still already in a bad place as a program. Like what is switching going to do? Not much. I mean, it, it's like, like, what is switching going to do to you negatively? That, that is what I'm really saying. Uh, I, th I think the really think the it, only negative stuff, and I think it would be more so for Arizona than Colorado, would be like you're getting away from programs you've always known. Like I, I think that might be your only negative. But what benefit are you really getting right now from them? Like, especially now with us, I think that's the thing. Like I with USC and UCLA gone, there's no benefit. Yeah, I'd also say don't go too overboard on the programs you've always known arizona and arizona state were not original members of the pack no i know that so like i don't think the history is that deep there colorado clearly has deeper history with with big the 12. big 12 yeah and hell utah for as much as they seem to want to bootlick stanford and cal these days like they've got deeper history with like tcu and they BYU really do, yeah. Than with most Pac-12 schools. That's so a great like, point. Like, I just... If you can get a group of four of them, I don't think you have to be worried about the, the alienation, the feeling sectioned off. Stuff that, frankly, Cincinnati and UCF probably have to be more worried about. 
Yeah. And, but you see how excited those schools are to be in the Big 12. And I'm just sitting here being like, yeah, it's the money. It's really just the uh, money. No, and I think I that's think, different. I think Colorado can take great advantage. Great advantage. I think Arizona will love being in it for basketball. And they, I don't think Arizona's a football school. It's, no, it's, it's a not basketball Ar- school. Exactly. It's not Arizona State. Arizona State... Could be a giant in both, honestly. That could be a giant in everything if they get their crap together. So you see what I'm saying? Like there there's no there's no huge expectation for I think either of them to be great at football. So I think they can hit the mark they need to hit if they come. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I look, I, I think as this goes on, I'm starting to lean more towards um, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, it's just inevitable. Uh, it sucks, but that's also college athletics, right? Like it changes happen. I, I just feel like the, the nature and the social media has made this seem like a bigger deal than what it really is. Um, it's going to be intriguing regardless. Uh, I would love Colorado to come back. I think that's also kind of like, um, and I don't know how much crossover, if any, would be in their administration for making the decision to leave, but you would think there's some ego checking there. Like you have to swallow your, like you, you trade straight up, just chuck the deuce yeah. and, and now you're having to come back, but it would be, it would be intriguing regardless. And you know, Colorado has a lot of potential. I just, uh, it's going to take some work, man. It's going to take some work, especially for where they're at this year, but I, it is. I don't know. I don't see that as a big barrier. No, nah. but let's get into, um, maybe, how many games Colorado might win, and the rest of the Big 12, I mean, the rest of the Pac-12, as we do over-unders next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and we're going to put a bow on this episode as we remain in the Pac-12 and look at some of the over-unders out there. We have done this so far with the SEC uh, we've done this with the Big 12, the Big 10, and we're just making our rounds across the the Power Five, and we're going to head out west. Um, this has been fun. Yeah. Uh, this I'm, I'm going to tell you. So I feel a lot better about my bets than your bets, but you, know, uh, you probably should honestly <laughs> because I am straight ass when it comes to this. Uh, uh, no, but <laughs> no, like for for real though. So I was looking uh, before the show. This is the most difficult one out yeah. of the, any yeah, conference no. that we have come across. I wouldn't in my be surprised opinion. if the ACC also was up there. I can see that, but dude, this is ear. And I don't know if it's like the the elite quarterback play they're going to have. Like, or, I don't know if it's because like down through the middle you've got those quarterbacks, or like up from the bottom you're just like these. There there are a lot of really low lines, and you're yeah. just like. Um, it's Where tough to go? think that a power five school wouldn't win three games. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then you also, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is a conference that has four different round number lines. Yeah, yeah, that was one thing I noticed. Five, five different round number lines, which means I don't think even the books know what to make of these teams. Because if you're not putting it at a half game line where you've got an actual this win total pushes, that I think that truly means you don't know what to do with them as a book. So wild times, yeah. This this one's gonna be tough. But uh, you gonna start us off? No, you're gonna start us oh, off. Oh, oh, all right. I'm gonna give me Cal under four point five. Cal under. Okay. I um. Tell us why. Look, please. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to be some 
expert on Cal Golden Bear football, uh, but I know it's not very good. <laughs> and I know that when I look at their schedule, um, you're definitely starting off 0-2. And a lot of people, especially on the West Coast, probably looking at me like I'm crazy when they see North Texas as game number one. That ain't an easy game. Um, let me tell you, North Texas is damn good. Uh, they have the staff that they have been able to put together under Eric Morris, who comes over from Washington State, is phenomenal. Um, the players they have there, and it's not like he inherited a bad roster. I mean, the, the, the previous regime had a solid thing going as well. So I think that's one where Cal is going to get beat, and a lot of people probably are going to look at that as an upset. I think if you're – Familiar with North Texas or this region, that's not going to be an upset. I, I you know, I, I, that's just my opinion. Uh, Auburn, while Auburn's trying to find itself, you're not beating Auburn. It's not happening. Wait, where is the fifth win? That's what. Okay, so no, 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 no like, like I, I think I'm agreeing with you. I'm looking through. The yeah, schedule. there's not. Okay, like, so you're like, going to go. I'm to get to four. Yeah, so you're going to go zero and two. You should beat Idaho. Um, Washington, you're going to lose. Arizona State, you're going to lose. Oregon State, you're probably going to lose. Utah, you're going to lose. You know, really a bye. Start to conference play. <laughs> Bro, and then the back end after the bye, USC and Oregon back to back. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a, you're losing that. Oh, six stretch, probably. I don't think you. All right, so right here are when you should get your, you possibly get your second and third wins would be Washington with State. Washington no State, but you should beat Stanford. And I'll, yeah, you should beat Stanford. That's, I know your rival, all that crap. Um, UCLA. While they're going to be down, you're not beating the Bruins, especially as they're chunking the deuce. Like you're, and they had to pay all of the the beef with that, and the we'll take you to court. You can't leave us behind. Oh god. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no. Shoot, I wish I'd taken a closer look at Cal. <laughs> Bro, that's I saw that. And I was like, I'm jumping that on that. That's a good pick. <laughs> I'm with you there. I think that's probably one of the safest bets in the Pac-12. Um, come back on that. I'm looking at Utah over eight and a half is probably my safest. Oh, I stayed away from Utah. I tell us why. Even with Cam Rising being injured, which he'll, I mean, I he'll like, be back by like week three. You're, at least. you're supposed to be better than Florida. You're supposed to be better than Baylor. Yes. Look at me. Look at what I'm wearing. <laughs> you're supposed to be better than Baylor. <laughs> like, I think I would know. Um, Weber State or Weber State, sorry, UCLA. Like, I, I just, I don't see a way you're not starting off 4-0. and Or the very worst 4-1 and out adding Oregon State that fifth you game. You should, yeah. Like, you should be 4-1. and And I, I have to find four losses here for me not to win. Not, not losing to Cal. No. I think you should be clearly better than Arizona State, even, even by the end of this the year. This year, you should. Arizona State at the end of the year. And then you've got Arizona and um, Colorado. Colorado. Like those are both wins. So, like, what I'm looking at are Oregon State, SC, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah. If you lose all four of those, I lose the bet. Would you? I, I don't think you lose all four of those. I mean, would you say Oregon State's probably the swing game? Oregon State's the one I probably feel the best about, but it's early in the year. And I do think Cam Rising comes and knocks off one of those top three of SC, Oregon, and Washington. Mm. Like, it's just, it's such a well-run program. I have a lot of faith, as annoying as the fans have been through the realignment stuff, I have faith in that team and that coach and that program. They are going to get to nine wins. I don't necessarily think 
they get much over nine wins, but you're telling me the line's not at nine, the line's not at nine and a half, the line's at eight and a half. Right. I am taking Utah. No, I like it. They're um, just a they're a program I do not like to bet against. Dude, they are so like like gritty, blue collar, just nasty, dude. Like I, I love watching Utah. <laughs> and plus they they bring a lot, they recruit the hell out of Texas. So they've being got some familiar guys. It, it's yeah. not like three yards in a cloud of dust. No. They, they've got some athletes. They got dogs, dude. So, <laughs> they are so fun. So you to see watch. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm gonna go oh man, I could go with Give me UCLA under eight and a half. UCLA under eight and a half. I think that's safe. I you're losing DTR. Uh, you're mm-hmm. losing Charbonnet, and while you um, you're gonna you obviously you're I'm drawing a blank on the freshman quarterback. He's freaking gonna be amazing. Moore. Dante Moore. Yeah, uh, I think he's gonna be really good. But there's also a learning curve. I think, and I think a lot of times we lose sight of that with young quarterbacks as a whole uh, because of your. Trevor Lawrence's and your Johnny Manziel's. I think they made it look so he easy. He doesn't just have a learning curve. Look at their non-conference to start yeah, the year. I know Coastal Carolina and San, and San Diego State. Those are those are not cupcakes. They're they're not. They're but, not. They're not losses to be expected. But they well, are not cupcakes. I okay. I feel more confident about There's them. Intrigue there. That's there all is. I'm trying to say. There is Coastal Carolina is going to have a coaching change, but you have Grayson McCall back at quarterback, and I'm not going to count him out. He's He's a baller. But San Diego State is at tricky. San Diego State. And it's at San Diego State. Do they have I, a new stadium open yeah, this year? Yeah. Oh. I think that's one boy. where they better be on upset alert. Because the Aztecs right now are, we don't know if they're going to be get that invite, right? But their name has been thrown out there. And if you have an opportunity. That's a prove it. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's a prove that it is game. a prove it game. Like, okay, cool. You're using, You're losing UCLA. Watch what we do to them. No big deal. Bring us on over. Our basketball team can is about as good as theirs too. I mean, yeah. They don't get the high profile recruits, but, but I'm they, talking about like right now, like last year. I think no, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. last year, they were better. Exactly. So, so I think right there, you should start off at least two and one because I think San Diego State might upset you. Um, Utah, I think Utah beats them. Uh, and then you head into the bye. So you're probably, uh, what, two and two, maybe, heading into the bye. Um, two I think, and two, three and one heading yeah. into the bye. And so I do not think you beat – I think you beat Washington State. I don't know if you beat – you should beat Oregon State. I just – Ah, man, DJU you, could have got be a, a renaissance, run, man. You've got a run of really easy games there, which is why I can I can see why the line's as high as it is. Yeah, but I just I don't I that Arizona State game too. Like I'm really there's there's just enough question marks around UCLA where games like Oregon State, Arizona State late in the year, and but that three that like you have three cupcakes in a row with Stanford, Colorado, and Arizona, and then you round it out with Cal. Like I mean, but I I feel like there's seven wins. I I feel confident in giving UCLA seven wins. I should have looked at their schedule more (laughs) because I think I might turn right around and say UCLA over. Really? I mean, I'm looking at this man. You're telling me from from end like we're we're going in reverse order. You're telling me you're not going to get a Cal win. You couldn't get an Arizona State win. Arizona, that's a Colorado, Stanford, Washington State. I'm at six, and I haven't gotten to the non-conference. And that's fine. I feel comfortable giving them seven. I just am not going over eight eight. and a half. I feel but but still their line's eight and a half. Exactly. 
and you're and that's comfortable giving them eight. I just man, I don't know, dude. I, dude, I just got to six out of conference play. I understand. I, I like I said, I feel comfortable six out of conference play, and you're telling me they don't have a chance to sweep non conference to get to nine. Like, they could. Shoot. I just I don't trust it. Like I'm I'm taking the under. Um, feel free to take the over or whatever. I just I need I'm, to I might see have it. To, I might have to put that UCLA uh, UCLA over in my back pocket because that's not what I'm going to go with here for my next pick. I'm actually going to go with the Washington State under six and a half. Okay. I could see that. I don't know exactly the state of the Colorado State program, but I'm looking at that Wisconsin game, and I'm thinking could be a, could be a loss there in the non-conference. That, dude, that's going to be a loss. <laughs> so let's say, let's say that's a loss. They have, they have to have six losses not to hit. For me to win, they have to have six losses. Oregon State, I'm nervous, and I don't think they win that one. No. That's another loss. UCLA, not feeling great. That's a toss-up if you're if you're a Washington State fan. True. But I just not feeling great. We'll give them a half. We're at two and a half losses. Oregon and Washington, we're already going to mark those off. You're at four and a half losses now. Cal, Stanford, and Colorado, I'm sorry, you should win those. Yeah. You should win those. I'm looking at that Arizona State game. I'm not feeling great about it. I just, I'm down on Washington State. I know my number's coming out right around six, mm. or right around six or seven. Yeah. Like, I see why the line's there. There's just something to me that feels like UCLA early on, I'm not liking it, especially on the road. On the road at Arizona State. I'm not liking it. On the road at Cal. Like, if you want Cal to have a chance, mm. it's not going to be out in uh, out in Washington. Like, I feel like some of their key swing games, they're on the road for. And I don't like that for them. That's fair. I know this. I'm already on my second. I'm not <laughs> feeling confident. But that's how tough this has been for me to pick bets. And so I'm going with Washington State under six and a half for my second pick. Oh, all right. Oh, you man. Push back on that. Do you think? Do you think they hit the over? I mean, they they have a chance. I just I really like Cam Ward. I just feel like you're going to have to learn whole new systems. I feel like there's going to be so much turnover in and new adjustments that I would take the under. I think they'll be okay, but I think you're definitely going to see them fall off from what they've been the past couple of years. That's fair. My so final one. Your final pick. Oh, dude, I, I keep going. Who are you picking between? Arizona State, Oregon, and Colorado. Oh, wow. That's that's a lot of options. I thought you were, I thought you were down to two. No. Um, you know what? Give me Oregon under nine and a half. Oregon under nine and a half. Damn, you took. Oregon under nine and a half. One of mine. Oh, so yeah. So Portland State, cool. That's a dub. I think you get beat by Texas Tech, or let's see, where is that? Yeah, you're going to Tech. Yeah, you're probably gonna get beat. That's gonna be a hell of a game, dude. Like that might be one of the best games in the nation that week. Um, you beat Hawaii, you beat Colorado, you beat Stanford. So you're four and one heading into the bye. Uh, you get the dub against Washington, which that should be a fun game. Ooh, I don't know, man. That's that's one of those toss ups. You beat Washington State, you beat Cal, you beat Arizona State and Oregon. 
State. I just I, I feel like they can get at least eight wins, maybe eight and a half I would be comfortable with. I just feel like that's such a high bar. And while you have Bo Nix back, uh, you got to give it consideration that Kenny Dillingham is no longer there running your offense, and Matt Pallage is now in Waco running defense. Yep. So while you have the talent, and I know turnover, you know, people can adapt. I just feel like that's something that's going to hinder them a little bit. And that's why I'm taking them under nine and a half. Now, if it was nine, I might consider, or if it was eight and a half, I would probably go over. I just, that's a number I don't feel comfortable with. No, I, I get you there. I, Oregon was tricky for me, but I did have them over as well. Mm-hmm. There's just, they're solid at the quarterback position. Yep. There's nothing that jumps out in the non-conference to me as like, oh, that's really scary. I'm, you, you're, you're higher on tech I'm than high me, on tech, dude. And like, I, I, so I'm, I'm really sitting here being like, Oregon should be in playoff contention. Tech should be happy to be in big 12 contention, which I don't exactly. I don't think Oregon's playoff in playoff contention. contention. We'll see. Right, we'll see. We'll see. Either way. I think stuff, stuff falls right for them. They could be in playoff contention. Especially since I'm saying they're going to win 10 games. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. Stuff falls right means they win one of those two that's losses. Cool. That's cool. That's playoff contention, bud. That's cool, man. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, got to agree. And then I've got to decide for my final pick to close out You the know show. that Colorado at three is just screaming your name, Jack. You're going to go? No. <laughs> you know you want that. No. Three... I would take I I would guess Colorado to win three, but I'm not betting on a push. That's I right. don't trust them to win four. I don't trust them to only win two. I know, like I uh, like three sounds like the right number. It really does. Which means the book screwed me there. <laughs> and so what I'm really looking at now that I've looked closer at UCLA, it's either UCLA over eight and a half or USC over nine and a half. There, and as much as I don't trust USC's defense, it should be better. You, but no, you want to tell me they can't outscore everyone on on here? I think it's going to be a track meet with Oregon. I think they win track meet. I think they get beat going into Notre Dame. I think they could get beat going into Notre Dame. I don't think they lose before that though. Mm. Notre Dame and Utah. Nah, is, they is shouldn't the, lose before that. Notre Dame and Utah is the scariest part of that schedule. Back-to-back, back too, dude. And then Washington Oregon back-to-back back is not easy either. I just feel like they they split both of those back-to-backs, probably. I think they win one, lose one, win one, lose one. I think they end 10-2. and two. I think they hit the over, and then they lose the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> uh, that's, dude, that's their, their, their most reoccurring thing. I don't know if 10-2 even gets and into the Pac-12 And they have freaking two bye weeks, game. too. Yeah, it... Dude, it's there. I I gotta go with USC over nine and a half. I, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with you. I mean, honestly, Lincoln is like ten wins in the bag. Honestly, I feel like Lincoln every year is ten wins in the bag. I'm I'm intrigued to see. Like, do you think there'll be too many cooks in the kitchen with um? I just had his name on blank. Cliff Kingsbury there now. No, I think it'll be they'll be fine. I think it's intriguing because it could either be one of the greatest ideas ever or you could have a clash of cooks in the kitchen. Oh, I actually don't think it's going to feel like the greatest thing ever or fall apart. I think it's going to be fairly short-lived. I think oh, yeah. I think it's going to be status quo for Lincoln, and I think Cliff is going to ride off to some other program 
to a job that lets him do more, lets him be more himself, prob- possibly a head coaching job somewhere. Um, but yeah, I just think that I'm, I'm good with that pick. I'm 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 locked in on that pick. I keep forgetting to switch the camera to see both of us. Um, All good. But but yeah, I. I don't think it's too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't think that there's going to be an issue there. I think that USC offense is going to be humming all year, probably. It will. I'm excited to see what Bear Alexander does in their defense. I know I'll keep bringing him up. I really like that. He is the most dominant high school defensive player I've ever put my eyes on in person. They're like, just going to run around bro. him. Bro. They're just going to run <laughs> around him and pass over him, and that USC defense will get into a bunch of track meets all year. We shall see. You wanna, <laughs> no. What do you, you want to leave here with? What do you want to tell the peeps to go check out? Oh, well, number one, you got to go check out Neighborhood Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football with Josh Neighbors. He just came over from Locked On Big 12. The homie is Josh. He'll in the game, and we are so excited to have him. He releases new episodes Monday through Friday right around 1.30, possibly 2 if there's a technical issue mm-hmm. or just he's working on something big and wants to put a little more effort into it. So, yeah, you guys got definitely got to check him out here on Crystal Ball College Football every weekday. Gary, what, what's your number one plug? Uh, I would definitely say 365 Sports in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. Central time uh, on our 365 Sports YouTube channel. It is, um, especially right now with realignment and Colorado being on the fence, you are going to have um, the best content, and some of, you're going to hear from some of the most knowledgeable people in the game uh, weekly. I mean, definitely check that out as well as uh, make sure and check out Grayson and Craig on the Bearcast with what they do for all of your Baylor information. Yeah. And uh, Grayson also does some other videos here on crystal ball college football. You guys should give those a look. He's definitely been diving into the realignment stuff. So I, I figure a lot of y'all are eating that up. I mean, it's, it's the cool stuff. Like it, it really, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to dream about. It's fun to just like theorize. Yeah. So he does plenty of that and he, he does a good job of researching and staying in the know. So y'all, y'all got to give him a, give him a good look there. Otherwise, uh, the reason why we're all here, uh, the reason why this studio exists, Sikkim365.com. Yes, sir. That, that's our roots. That's our foundation. Uh, so please, Garrett and I both write for the site. I'm an editor. Uh, and it's our forums are home to a lot of good realignment discussion. Absolutely. A lot of people in the know. So even if you're not a fan of Baylor, we've got good information on those premium forums. So please consider subscribing to that and uh, just give it a look. Anyway, thanks y'all for uh, tuning in this week to to the College Chaos podcast and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. We out. Peace.